This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to MQ on Podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Sons. Just to this evening, um, myself as always, and joining me is Ross. Ross, how are you doing? Well, after a pretty miserable weekend of NFL, then the football, um, I'm hoping it's going to get a bit better this weekend. But yeah, I'm doing fine, thanks. What about yourself? Yeah, I joined you in your misery for everything sports. Even the F1 was, I know you used to talk about pre-recording, the F1 for me was pretty boring. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. I'm, I'm feeling a bit better than last week. So I literally got to the game on Saturday and I felt so lightheaded. I don't know. It wasn't the best, it wasn't the best birthday watching Don's, that's for sure. But <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. Like, we'll get on to it, I'm sure. Um, and yeah, later on, we're, we're going to chat to Steve for the Realm and podcast to talk everything crew this next Saturday, which I'm looking forward to. Obviously, we're hoping for a big push to crew. Um, admittedly, Saturday didn't really help things. But, you know, we're, st- we're still hoping for lots of you to be there and we'll certainly be there supporting the boys. So hopefully you are too. Okay, Ross, 3-0 lost to Rotherham. Honestly, I was so, so disappointed. Um, it was weird because I don't think we'll see many games this season where I'll look at the team at 2pm and say, we've probably lost this game. And that that feels really, really sad to say, but I think he just set the team up wrong. I don't, I mean, we spoke about it a lot, a lot pre-record, um, not pre-recording, um, last episode regarding Haram Boateng and congrats, congrats to the people that predicted that Haram would start after Tuesday. Um, and I, I guess if you're going off Manning's comments on momentum, then maybe he should have started, but I, I'd, the way you set that team up for, for Rotherham game, I think it's just wrong, quite frankly. You need someone in between the lines, like a Josh Martin or even a Troy Parrott, if you're going to go back to the more traditional formation where Troy's playing off Mo, but to have Harab in there who, to be honest, just didn't just didn't do a lot. It wasn't his game. If anything, you bring him off the bench for 30 minutes like you would do early in the season and he'd get a, maybe a goal contribution or just disrupt play a little bit. 
having him from the start, it just didn't really work. And I think we saw that fairly early on. And admittedly, you know, their goals, the first goal was, I think, unfortunately, Fisher's fault. He, he did a classic Nichols from Oxford where he goes to commit to it, backs, backtracks on it, and then their defender literally heads it, brilliant header, to be fair to him, off the bar and in. Um, and after that, I think, I think you know, we missed that chance with Zach, Zach Jules, and I think he also missed the one as well. And he goes to halftime, a bit dejected, probably feeling like you should have scored. And then, you know, Rotherham gets second gear. And I don't think, I don't think Don's, Don's is disappointed. It is really disappointing. And I think at 3-0, people's had enough. And I think the players, they, they, they not, not given up, but it just didn't look great, quite frankly. And I think a fair people left for the final whistle, which I think is understandable. I think it's been the worst I've seen Don's this season. And I hope it's the worst I've seen this season, to be honest, because I don't think you can get much worse than that. Um, Ross, your your general thoughts on a pretty disappointing home defeat to Rotherham? Yeah, as you say, Liam, it was it was a very underwhelming performance, I thought. I felt, especially after Wigan, I felt we turned a little corner um, after, after obviously having two poor results against Shrewsbury um, and Doncaster, obviously. Um, no offence to where they are, but they're teams we should be beating. I felt, yeah, as I say, we turned a corner, beating Wigan, and the spirits were high in the camp. And I thought, obviously, our record against these top teams um, this season has been very good. And I think um, on Saturday, we just we just didn't show up in my eyes. I know um, I was speaking to a few game uh, fans after the game, and they were saying it's, it was about margins in the game. But I don't felt feel like we were at the races at all throughout the whole game, and I think if you just look at the stats in the first half, we didn't have a shot on target, and yes, we did have a Kiosa chance and a Jules chance, but at the end of the day, you've got to be uh, burying them against a team who are probably going to be up there come the end of the season, and yes, fair enough, they took the chances, but the thing what disappointed me the most was the fact that, as you say, Liam. We didn't. We didn't really look um, interested. No, not interested. But um, we couldn't get going at times, and we tried to force it long. And I'm not a person to to say go long. But if it, like at Wigan, if if you need to go long, and it works, fair enough. But there was countless times where there were pointless balls going through the channel to Mo. It was chasing. It was chasing it down to the keeper, and it was just too easy for Rotherham at times. But overall, I agree with you on the um, lineup. I do feel he set him up wrong, but at the same time, I I do understand why he went with that lineup because of a performance against Wigan. Boateng on the side, he did play well on Tuesday, so he's granted another start. But I'm sorry, but um, he just didn't suit the game at all. He didn't get involved enough for me. I don't feel like it was enough ground jewels at all. And that's something which is key in this side. We press high. Everyone's got to collectively, as a unit, push high. And they've got to do their bit, the, the dirty side of the game, if you want to call it that. And Boateng, in my eyes, didn't do that. But I'm not going to single out certain players and say they, they didn't play well because the whole team didn't play well. And I think you can just look at Fisher's performance and say, well, he just had one of those days in the net. And to be fair, he's probably he's probably due one of them because of countless times this season and last season, he's um he's won his points and 
yeah, fair enough. He's made a mistake and he's held his hands up and he's apologised. And that's what you want, want to be seeing. You want to be uh, seeing players take responsibility. And I know it's such a young squad. They can blame the manager. They can blame others. But no, they're, they're holding their hands up and saying, look, it's my fault. We move on to the next game. And obviously, with Crew coming up in the next, in the next game, I do feel like it's a must-win game for us because of what's that? That's three defeats and four now. And it's, it's pretty poor form, considering I, I believe we were nine unbeaten prior to these games. And yeah, things do get hard throughout the campaign. I'm just hoping we can turn it around. Yeah, we've we've got to get that momentum back. And yeah, I can see why Manning would go with that team. Um, obviously, you know, missing Dan Harvey was was a loss, a really, really big loss. And I, I'm sure we'll get on to how the structure of the team really is impacted by his loss and also some other elements. But yeah. I, I don't think how much we say it's disappointing and we sh- we just got outclassed quite frankly by a team that are ultimately better than us here we've got a, better, a manager who has got much more experience in the EFL is you know is, well, is, is ultimately a championship manager managing a league one side and it's a league one side who if they're not championship again next season you'll be very surprised um, yeah it's just a difficult day at the office and I can see why people are frustrated I think we're both very frustrated at that performance um and unfortunately, we've got a, a potential banana skin at crew, which uh, another team, you know, fighting down towards the bottom of the table who we can't seem to beat at the moment. I'm hoping we can turn that around on Saturday. Um, obviously, the one change was Zach Jules coming in for Daniel Harvey. Now, I think, I don't want to say Zach Jules is a scapegoat in this situation. Same I don't want to say Hiram Boateng is a scapegoat in this situation, but you could you could definitely tell how you know even just the one change in the team from the team that beat Wigan really impacted everyone else. I feel Harry Darling was unfortunately a massive culprit of this. You know there was times in the first half where there'd be passbacks to him from Lewington or Jules, and you could tell that the Rotherham game plan was to do double teams. They did a lot with Twine, and did it a lot with Harry Darling, and we saw multiple multiple good chances where. Rotherham should have scored one or two more goals in which Fish, being a big keeper, he was, you know, all due to his credit, he had a bit of a poorer game, but he did make some good saves there and put, put Rotherham players off ultimately. But yeah, there, there, was a real, there was a real lack of cohesion between the team for me on Saturday. And um, it's not a worry, but Ross, when, when a player like Daniel Harvey does go down, Manning, I suppose, is... Well, I think everyone is, including Manning, is hoping that the team can you know, continue on a, continue the status quo without a player like Dan. But sadly, wasn't the case, and that's a bit worrying, is it not? Yeah, of course, it's worrying. We we create this squad for obviously depth, and I think it just goes to show. Um, I'm going to play a bit of devil's advocate here, just for the uh, purpose of people who actually want to see more of Jules. Maybe it's a uh, it's it's getting a lack of games and he hasn't got a consistent run. Maybe that's something which is playing his part and he's not probably not, not match sharp or match fit. Um, but you can also look on the other side and say, well, they're two different type of players. Harvey loves bombing up and down that wing. He's got that final ball. Um, but then you look at Jules, airily, he's probably better. Um, and obviously he's a lot more physical than what Harvey is, but he probably hasn't got the legs like Harvey does. So, I think it's just a matter of what game 
one another plays him. But as you say, Liam, especially on Saturday, I do feel like Jules was a bit of a weak link. And um, yes, we can say he he missed that open goal, but he's got to be getting on that on on target at least. I don't care how many players are on the line. If he gets it on target, you can say, well, fair enough. They've got bodies on the line anticipating him to get it on target, but he doesn't even go on target. And I do believe that was a big chance just before the um, halftime, going into the break, one all, whole different game. The, the lads would be rejuvenated and they'll come out second half thinking we can get some here. But second half, we started slow and um, yeah, they took a chance from the corner and yeah, it's pretty much game over from then. But just going back on the dual situation, yeah, Harvey's a massive miss, and you can tell that just through the Wigan performance. Um, and if Jules is going to get anywhere near this side, he's got he's got he's got to improve his game rapidly. Yeah, I'm not saying I want to see lesser Jules, but at the same time, like you, you've got to be showing that you're on the pitch. And I'm not saying that it's his sole performance that cost us that game. I think the whole the whole point of the segment was not saying that you didn't say this, Ross, but to say that, you know, even if it is just the one change, it can massively impact everything. Um, and, you know, Dan Harvey would have been perfect for this game. We needed that of a wing back to be really direct and bombing it down the side to try and break up play. Because rather than a double teaming, us, Twyman is having to drop into Jules's role to try and break up the play. And he's ultimately just getting fouled on the halfway line. And then we'd have no number 10 to do his job and it, and Haram was unfortunately not doing it very well when he did uh, so yeah I, I think unfortunately the game plan was just wrong and it, listen it's a young coaching team they're going to get things wrong well not as young it's just a new coaching team as well they're going to get things wrong um, it's just a bit frustrating that you know not not to because if, if we can notice it from the stands why can't they notice it in the film room and maybe it's maybe it's the case of you know trying something and reflecting on it and not doing it again. But yeah, it's just frustrating. It really is just really frustrating. Um, I'm hoping that they can turn it around. Um, a topic of conversation that came up during the week after the game was you know Mo Issa. I think I, I checked before recording. He got 19 touches of the football on Saturday. Now, I'm, I'll be pretty confident in saying that's the lowest in the Don side on Saturday, and that's simply just not good enough for your route, well, believed to be record signing. Um, you know, I'm, a guy who's been bagging the goals all season when he's been fit and actually doing well. And I'm sure if Joe was here, he had the numbers from where Isa was alongside Troy Parrott in the, in the, I think it's 3-5-2 formation or 3-4-1-2 formation, as opposed to the 3-4-2-1 now, which is where... Parrot or Hiram would be alongside Twine and a bit more further back. But Ross, do you think do you think it's time to go back to what we started at, at the start of the season where Parrot and Isa were a bit more aligned and a bit more uh, together in terms of attacking? Or or do you think it's just a taste of your personnel coming back to the team, players need to adapt to that personnel and it could take time ultimately? I, I personally love the two up top um, where Troy and Mo are playing together. What we're seeing of Mo at the moment is that they're trying to pull it in behind and he's trying to run in behind. And I don't see Mo as that. I see Mo, if you get the ball in the box, he's going to pull it in the back of the net. 
nine times out of ten. And it's a struggle at the moment because we're not getting the ball in the box enough for him. And I think that's what works so well when we play two up top, um, especially with Troy. Troy would do a lot of the hard work and then Mo would finish it off for him. I think that's where the combination works is the fact that um, it, even if we just watched at Shrewsbury, they weren't close enough together. And I think that's the problem. You've got to have them close together with that bit of link up and Twiny, Twiny in and around them so he can have his long shots and he can play. He can do that bit of quality in behind or a bit of flair if you want it. And I just feel, as I say, that formation suits both of them because of Parrot, he's doing his own thing. And we, we've seen what form he can get into. But he's looking a bit lost, I felt, especially on Saturday. Um, just trying to hold up the ball and he didn't really have anywhere to go. I'm not too sure whether it was just because we we're 3-0 down or what, but albeit you still got to uh, play to a final whistle in my eyes. And um, I do believe we need to change the formation. I don't feel like it's a personnel. Um, we saw it at Wigan. Yes, we didn't play two up top, but we had Dan Harvey down that left and right. And I felt we counter-attacked Wigan quite well. But when you're playing against Rotherham, they're not going to be um, they're, they're not going to be vulnerable in the counter-attack in my eyes. I felt uh, Rotherham, probably defensively, one of the best sides we've came up against this season. I don't feel like um, we got in behind at all that much, par the Kyoso chance. Um, and all credit to them, but yeah, definite definite change of formation, and um, yeah, let's hope Mo can uh, start firing them in. Yeah, and I I think with Twiny, you know, we saw exactly what's why he hasn't got that license of freedom anymore. You know, he, he won seventy five percent of his ground jewels because he was, as I mentioned already, having to drop back to try and create anything because there's no one there to create anything else. Um. And yeah, I, th- I think I think you're right. You know, if say it is Troy come back into the team, and we do go back to the three four one two, where Twine is literally the ten sitting in behind them, we're probably going to see goals again. Now, will this ruin the defensive structure a little bit potentially? But we're still conceding goals even with this defensive structure with Haram there, because unfortunately Haram isn't doing the required role that he needs to be. Um, right I, now, I think I think how Milton Keynes have got to play it is is we've got to do a high risk, high reward sort of scenario. We've got to accept the fact that we're going to be vulnerable in the counter attack, exactly like Shrewsbury. But if we're getting four or five decent chances a game and we're putting three of them away, that one chance isn't going to count really because we've already scored yeah. three. So you've got to look at the scenario and say, well, are we going to be ruthless in front of goal or we're going to be passive and we're not going to take as many risks. We're going to be calculated with our risks. So overall, I just feel it's more about taking more risks. And as I say, the rewards are so high. Yeah, well, in most professional sports, attack is the best form of defence. It's, you know, it, it, it in the majority of, well, most of the American sports, but I think it's going to apply here. You know, that is the mantra. So we should be really replying that. And I feel we have amongst all of the, you know, some players going to international duty and some players getting suspended. We have just ultimately lost that. Almost, almost like lost our mojo. So I think, um, admittedly, we've got another international break coming up, which of course we bloody do. But after that, you know, a bit like last season with the likes of Daniel Harvey going away with Scotland every two seconds, 
you know, that could be the time where it finally clicks again and we start picking up results. And we're going to need them, you know. We got, admittedly, we've got a few nice home games after uh, the FA Cup game against Stevenage recently got announced. But, you know, yeah, it is, it is just really difficult. Um, would you say that, I mean, you mentioned Troy to be pre-recording, Ross. Would you say that if we did go back to the three four one two, is it Troy's role to lose? Or do you think someone like a Max Waters can come in and ultimately be that better high-risk high-reward player that we need in that formation? It's a bit of a difficult one because obviously we haven't seen much of Max Waters. And um, when we have, he's probably came off the bench against tired defenders and he's he's probably worked up, worked a little treat for us. Um, so it's quite hard to judge Max as it is. But when I believe he didn't he start against Fleetwood, I could be wrong. Um, and he missed that one on one chance. So he, he's getting in the right positions and it's good that he's getting him in positions, but he's probably not taking them. But with Troy, if he probably got it in them positions, um, he probably would have put it in the back of the net. So it's a difficult one because of obviously you want to bring others into play. So it probably suits Parrot a bit more. But if we're looking in running in behind, it's probably more of a Max Waters because of we sort of saw what he's like when he used to play for Crawley. He got in behind and he punished the side on the counter attack. So it depend, all depends what formation we play and how we set up. Preferably, I'd go with a Troy Parrott because obviously I've seen what connection and partnership he's he's um, dealing with with obviously Mo, and I just feel Twiny he he gets involved so much more when Parrot plays. So I just feel Twiny and around the box is it's it's just asking for goals in my eyes, and we sort we've seen his free kicks. If he's getting chances out on the edge of the box, one of them's going to go in eventually. Yeah, what a start against Fleetwood and Doncaster. And to be fair, he probably should have scored them both, right? As far as I remember. Yeah, probably, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking, if we dig about that formation, surely surely Twiney brings them into play enough. I do, I do understand what you're saying. The chemistry between uh, Parrot and Twiney is really, really good. We've seen that this season already. I, But yeah, I suppose it's just a case of waiting and seeing, hoping that you know, Manning and the coach have actually implemented it. But I do wonder whether, you know, if we're going to fully get the most out of this, we should just literally go with ice and waters and just see what happens. Because um, I believe, have ice and waters started a game together this season? I don't believe they have, have they? I've double checked. They started Doncaster. I believe they started check. Doncaster. I might, I could, could well be wrong. Uh, but, uh, oh, they started together again at Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury, yeah, but as you say, we. It's, it's, it's a difficult because obviously Shrewsbury in that game, they set up from the very start in the defensive formation. And even a few of their fans admitted that. And they said they've never seen Shrewsbury set up like that. And yes, it's it's probably a compliment towards us and the way we play, but we didn't get the three points at the end of the day. And that's what we all obviously want. And I just feel, obviously, if teams are adapting to us, we've got to find a way. And if we're not finding a way, we're not getting points at the end of the day. And I think that's our issue at the moment. We're just struggling to break down teams. And I feel like with a few bad results, I feel like the energy around the place is probably not the same as what it was when we were unbeaten. But I feel, well, I felt after obviously the Wigan game, I felt we turned a corner, but obviously we probably haven't turned as much corner as I first thought. But I just feel next couple of games, Yes, they're against bottom half teams, but we should start to pick up points now. 
and we should hopefully start to get some strikers scoring because of at the end of the day we're not getting enough opportunities for them strikers. We're seeing our wing backs score most of the goals. So yeah, apologies. Um, I said what has not tied up together at front this season. I got confused with the games. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe they are two alike to play up front together, but I just like to see it to be honest. I really would. Um, just see what happens. You can't criticize yeah. something until you see it. Exactly, and I think Crew is the perfect game to do it. A team that like to play like us with the ball. Um, you know, admittedly they haven't got kickstarted just yet this season, which I'm sure we'll find out for Steve later on. But you know, it's the perfect game. Just go for it. Nothing to lose realistically. The fans want to be entertained after that absolute shower on Saturday. So let's just see what happens. Let's just go for it. Okay, Ross. Um, we'll take a short little break before we introduce Steve from the Rail Rail podcast onto the MK1 podcast to chat everything. Alex ahead of Saturday. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first. Search Fan Hub app to play your part in the journey. Welcome back to the latest opposition overview. And it's crew away for us on Saturday. Obviously, we're looking to bounce back. We're pretty disappointing performance against Rotherham, which we've, we've talked about another podcast, me and Ross. So we'll like to hand it over to Stephen from the Rotherham podcast, chat everything about crew. So, Stephen, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Yourselves? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Um, we're fairly positive, actually, despite Saturday's absolute dropping from Rotherham. So... And yeah, more more looking forward to our trip to Crew, which uh, you know we haven't been to in a little while actually, considering COVID ruined our last trip. So, talk to us a bit about Crew's start to the season. Obviously, looking at the league table, it's not been the greatest start. Um, but you know, we all know about league tables this start of the season. It's 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 very much a false narrative. So, give us the, give us the real narrative on how Crew season's been so far. I think the story of the season really goes back to pre-season and, and the departures of um, the majority of the, the nucleus of the young players who made up the promotion team. So we lost, we lost Perry NG partway through last year. And then we, although we sold Harry Pickering, he stayed with us as part of the deal for the rest of last year. Then in the summer, we lost Ryan Wintle. We lost Charlie Kirk, um, which majority of those were expected. So we could kind of cope with those. Um, and then just as we got into the season, um, Owen Dale, basically, despite, I think, what he might say, he agitated for a move to Blackpool, which he uh, duly got um, on loan there till January. Not really welcome back at the Alex anymore, I think it's fair to say. And then we had a contract standoff with Tom Lowry, who's arguably one of our more influential midfielders. Um, he refused to sign. There was a disagreement from his agent and Tommy over a release clause. Um, and our manager uh, kind of stuck to, depending on which side of the camp you're in, he stuck to the principles of the club or he became very pig-headed. Um, and Tommy, until he came on as a sub at Wickham and scored the equaliser, the sum total of his football this year was one Pizza Cup game against Shrewsbury. We did bring in some new recruits, but incredibly, two of our new recruits, uh, Tommy Holborn and Sean McDonald, 
both within a month of signing them, both retired from professional football. So it has been a catastrophic summer. Um, and the first five games of the season, the team then, as to what it is now, is unrecognisable because somehow Dave Vartel has, has brought in some loan players, some out-of-contract players, and he's basically had to build a team from September, really. I mean, that's that's literally a complete disaster, isn't it? I mean, if if you wanted pre-season disaster, that is it. And, and the four names I mentioned, we you know Perry had gone last year, and we knew that that Pickering was going. But to throw in, and we knew Kirk was probably going to go as well. But to throw in the Dale and the Lowry issues, and our team was just decimated, really. And you you genuinely when when Sean when Sean McDonald retired shortly after Tommy Holborn, we genuinely thought it was a wind-up for how can we sign two players who, you know, I mean, I think McDonald was about 33, okay, but how can you sign two players who instantly retire? What was going on? It was, it was a lot of thoughts. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about, obviously, you know, last time we spoke to Bruss uh, last season and he mentioned about, you know, Pickering moving on and likely Kirk is going to move on. Of course, he has now. And how that would impact the team, but of course, it's much worse than that because everyone has, they've left, but also people have left. They, as you said, joined in the summer. So, I suppose uh, it's been. Um, I suppose the results have kind of been justified, but I still think you've played some pretty difficult sides this season. So I don't think it should be. Well, I'm, I, I say this from outside perspective, all that negative, um, and I suppose. I mean, um, I'm, I'm assuming your schedule is going to get easier because certain teams you've actually played, especially at home. You know, you, obviously, your last home game was Sunderland where you maybe effectively got, you know, a good scene to 4 now by the best team in the league, in my opinion. But I think I think good times on the horizon, surely, for crew at this point. I mean, you've gone through the worst of it, surely. Well, we've played, we've played Morecambe and Accrington at home and lost to them both. Um, so you're thinking there's there there's teams if you want to stay in this division, particularly Morecambe, you think you should be beat should be defeating. So I think we can only say so many times we've got to let these players bed in. But unfortunately, I think the reality is how far are we going to be behind by the time all these players have found their feet, and by the time Dave Vartel's found his preferred formation, which to be honest at the moment, I don't think he has found yet. Um, and that's the fear is that we were, we were playing catch up from you know we're way behind everybody else, no matter how. And there are some good players there. I just think when we do turn the corner, how far adrift are we going to be? Yeah, yeah, that is a fair point. Um, and yeah, maybe Atkinson. I mean, we played Atkinson ourselves, and they do come across very one dimensional. Once you get that first goal against them, it you know a bit like Gillingham and a bit like Wickham, especially. Um, you know, those teams kind of just capitulate in front of you and they're pretty easy to break down and score against but really, yeah listen I, I, I've got I've, I've got a lot of faith in Artel to sort that team out and um, I hope for your sake he will and he mentioned there is some de- decent players in that squad and um, Ross I believe you've highlighted a few players to uh, chat to Stephen about so go ahead yeah I just wanted to mention um, two things with this crew squad um, obviously Mandaron up top Top goal scorer with three goals. Um, I believe he scored in the past two meetings against us. Um, I believe he got a brace um, away from home and then he uh, he got a goal um, at home. Is he 
prolific enough to lead crew forward in the season? There's a feeling that perhaps he hasn't this season quite recaptured last season's heights. Um, he's been in and out of the team more. Um, Dave Ortel's given 37-year-old Chris Porter starts recently ahead of Mandron. Um, I th- he's never been prolific. Um, last year was one of his best ever returns in front of goal. Um, but this year he's been in and out of the team and he's been shunted um, slightly wider when they occasionally. So he's not really had much of a chance to, to improve on last season Hall. And I think we get he's he's never going to be a 20 goal a season player. But I think if he'd had the run of games, he, he might have got somewhere close to last season's tally again. But his hold-up play and his link-up play is is invaluable to us. But for lots of this year, particularly in those early games, he's been feeding off scraps. And he's probably barely had a chance and spent most of his time with his back to goal, battling two centre-halves, trying to bring other people into play. Yeah, I, I, I just remember him being an absolute nuisance for us, um, physically especially. I know um, in previous years, we've probably struggled with f- more physical sides, like, the, as you say, the likes of Accrington, Hell one-dimensional, Gilliam, for example. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention was, I know you've conceded about 24 goals this season, but it, I've noticed in the back line, there's three players um, who are 21. 21. Um, is there a sign of a weakness or vulnerability within the defence, or is that just crew trusting or following their ways of youth? Um, we got a couple, I think, I think there's Terrell Thomas in there, he's a bit older, but um, but the core of the team is always going to be the youth. And again, I think the defence has been exposed a little bit because um, we haven't found that way of playing yet. You know, we've, we've, we've played a three, we played a five at the back, we played four at the black, uh, back. Personnel has kept chopping and changing. And there is a feeling, I was listening to our pod today, that it's about time that we 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 began to settle on a more or less regular starting 11 and a regular back line, um, injuries permitting, that, that might give us a bit more consistency because we're still conceding dreadful goals from set pieces on a really regular basis. Um, and no matter how many centre-halves we play, we still look like we're going to concede whenever, whenever we let have a corner against us. Oh, so it's a prom- promising sign for us uh, if we're going to be uh, having loads of set pieces then. If you've got a set piece or a corner, I'd just say that one of the goals we conceded against Sunderland was embarrassing. There was about three Sunderland players at the back post and arguing over who was going to put the ball in the back yeah. of the net. We, we could play six centre-halves and they'd still find a way to to look amateurish at a corner, I'm sure. I, d- I did see the t- um, Ryan Tavis. Zoli's goal um, for Wickham, and that I, I believe that was from a set piece as well, wasn't it? It was. It was a. I think it was a, a long throw that I think we we or was it a corner that we'd initially cleared and it got recycled. Oh, right. In in the seventh minute of five minutes of injury time, but nice. such as it is, bottom of the table, really, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to ask you, Stephen, about how you think Crew will will sort of shape up and actually play against MK on the Saturday. Because obviously traditionally crew has always been a team who, you know, likes to have possession of the football, likes to keep it on the ground, you know, utilise their young talents, which they still do have in the squad. Uh, how do you think that's, with all the turmoil, that's got a bit lost at the moment? And do you think 
that is still the way they're set up on Saturday, or do you think it'll change a little bit? They will they will still play that way, albeit not as effectively as last season. And we, we keep making just poor decisions and and kind of failing to execute simple passes that, that just you know that it goes three, four yards behind a player and takes momentum out of the move. So they're still trying to play the football, but there's a sense that either the, the quality of players isn't quite there or the the cohesion isn't quite there. The fluidity we saw last year. Um and again I think they're adjusting now to a different way of playing. Like last season was always four three three. I think the manager has eventually realised that four three three is not going to work right now. He's putting square pegs in round holes and hopefully he's going to go with a five three two. Um, so we've still got the three in midfield. Um, so the football's there, but it's just not very good at the moment. But Saturday was an improvement um, and there was definitely much more drive and passion than there had been in the previous two games. But um, I think at the moment, for all the factors I've outlined, that they're, they're struggling to get the football going and there's an obvious lack of confidence in the team as well. Yeah, and unfortunately that comes with not picking up many points, unfortunately. And I think we're suffering a bit from that at the moment as well. You know, we've lost the last, well, lost three out of the last four. It's admittedly against some teams which really you'd like to think we're beating in Doncaster and Shrewsbury. You can see the team is a little bit, you know, on edge. And I think Saturday clearly showed that, you know, there's a, there's a bit of frustration in the camp. So it's probably a good time to play us, to be honest. Um, so obviously I'm not hoping for your sake that crew do get a result. Um, but I think, I think, throughout all of this season, I think now is a good time to play us. So that's that's a, a positive outlier for a crew there. Uh, Stephen, how do you think this has to ever go from a store perspective? Obviously, MK Dons haven't beaten crew, I think, since our promotion to the championship in 2014-2015, where we beat you by an aggregate score of 11-1 and through two games. Uh, since then, I think it's been three defeats and one draw, which is no-no draw. Um, so how do you think it'll go Saturday? Genuinely, I absolutely—it's one of those games that I just do not know what we're going to do. It would be so easy just to predict more gloom and more misery in another defeat. But part of me thinks we've surely the, the players we brought in are not bad players. There's some, there yeah. are some quality players in there, and I'm oh, I'm sure I'm going to get laughed out of town for this. I'm going to go right. Out. I'm going to go three-two win to crew. Like it. You've got to be positive. No matter how many games you lose, you've got to say your team's going to win. Because otherwise, why are you going in the first place? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the stats, but I'm sure I don't know how many goals you've scored in like the last five games. So 3 twos, just a, a ridiculous shout. But why not? You know, stranger things have happened, haven't they? Well, as we said, we haven't beaten you since 2015. So, you know, if you're going to beat one team, it's probably going to be us. I'm sure me and Ross aren't going to say that right now because uh, I'm going to turn over against Dons. Um, you know, I, I think I think streets are actually broken. We've seen that ourselves recently by beating Street, being snapped in, into pieces, quite frankly, with losing some pretty easy games in the course, losing to Rotherham on Saturday. But this, this, this is the perfect game for us to bounce back and we have we have to react. We have to change formation, as me and Ross discussed, back to the 3-5-2. Um, and let's really go for it. Uh, and I think... We will do that and hopefully we win the game. Uh Ross, are you are you going as positive as me or 
what, what's your thinking for Saturday? I do, I do feel feel like there'll be goals. In Crew's last four games, there's been over two point five goals. So I, I do I do believe there's going to be goals. But I don't feel like Dons are going to make it easy. They never do, do they? Um, and I'm going to go with a two one Dons victory. The only reason why I say that is because on paper I do believe we've got a better squad and quality all over the pitch. Um, obviously Stephen's not probably want to be hearing that, but um, <laughs> we'll move on uh, swiftly. Um, yeah, so I've gone with a 2-1 Don's victory and let's hope we can get, get back to winning ways on the road. Yeah. It's interesting you, um, you, you say you're going 3-5-2, so we'll probably do the same. So I think both teams will be matching each other up. So it'll be quite an interesting tactical battle, I'd have thought. Well, that's our hope. I mean, we've, we've been playing 3-4-2-1 as of late and as me and Ross saying in the episode, it's just not worked, especially on Saturday. The personnel was just not really reacted well to it um, and with some players missing through suspension and international breaks, the team's just lost its mojo. Uh, so we're kind of hoping that, you know, go back to the three, five, two, which, you know, with games like Ipswich um, and Fleetwood, for example, we saw, you know, lots of goals through that system. So we're kind of hoping that we can sort of go back to the old formation, and hopefully get some mojo back, which we desperately need. And I think both teams definitely do have a win. So hopefully, well, hopefully for Martha, we get it. And hopefully for you or Stephen, you get it. Um, but thank you very much for coming on to the podcast, Stephen. Uh, before you go, please tell the people where they can find all your guys' work. Um, at the uh, Railway, Railway Men podcast at the Railway Men. There you go. So make sure you check it out. I believe I did a feature piece for the latest episode regarding Saturday's game. So please check that out over there. Uh, as always, come on, you dons. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.